worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Time now for the GX on Agriculture podcast. Brought to you by Trustmark Insurance in Melville. Trust us with what matters most. GX on Agriculture with Doug Falconer. Good afternoon and welcome to GX on Agriculture. Coming up on today's program, the Legacy Co-op Board of Directors has approved a modular farm project to be operated at the Yorkton Food Store site. We'll hear from General Manager Bruce Thurston as to what all of that entails. Grain prices were mixed this past week. Adam Piccolo from PI Financial Commodity Futures will join us with his weekly report. Canadian Western Agribition opens Monday in Regina with attendance expected to surpass 100,000 people. We'll hear from CEO Sean Kindop. And a new cull sow slaughtering facility under development in Saskatchewan is expected to reduce shipping distances and costs for Western Canadian pork producers while reducing the risk of the cross-border movement of swine disease. We'll hear from the Industry Relations Manager for Donald's Foods, Neil Kettleson. All of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of GX on Agriculture. But first, it's time for the Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. And that's a presentation of Milligan Bio. Milligan Bio now offers bio meal for your livestock giving your animals more protein, more energy, and more of what they need. It's also brought to you by Sean Prahitka, your REMAX Blue Chip Ag Division Specialist. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. It's time now for the Beef and Forage Report, and that's a presentation of Lane Realty. Beef and Forage Report. A huge scientific inquiry underway in New Zealand may sound like a joke, but the answer could actually have profound effects on the health of the planet. The question is, how do you stop a cow from burping? Scientists are trying to figure out how to stop cows, sheep and other farm animals from belching out so much methane. Among the surprising solutions, selective breeding, genetically modified food, methane inhibitors and a potential game-changer, a vaccine. And that's today's Beef and Forage Report. It's time now for the Ag Review portion of our program, and that's a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. GX94 Ag Review. The Alberta, Saskatchewan and Manitoba governments say they oppose changes to the federal government's latest firearm legislation that were proposed by Liberal MPs at the committee stage earlier this week. Liberal members of the Standing Committee on Public Safety and National Security brought forward several amendments to Bill C-21 on Tuesday that would move most semi-automatic rifles and shotguns out of the non-restricted and restricted categories and redefine them as prohibited. 
One of the amendments says any center-fire semi-automatic rifle or shotgun that can hold a detachable magazine with more than five cartridges would become a prohibited firearm. Another contains a 300-plus page list of specific firearms that would be prohibited, including the SKS, which is said to be the most common semi-automatic rifle in Canada. The three prairie provinces say the amendments will criminalize hunters, farmers and target shooters who collectively own hundreds of thousands of firearms that could soon be prohibited. The annual recommended list of malting barley varieties is out and one prominent name is off the list, AC Metcalf. Topping the list this year is AAC Connect, distributed by Canterra Seeds and CDC Fraser from Seacan. List veterans CDC Copeland and AAC Synergy round out the list of recommended varieties. The Canadian Malting Barley Technical Centre compiles this list each year to indicate to producers the varieties that are in demand in the marketplace and those that have the greatest potential for contracting, selection and movement. The centre says that newer varieties with improved agronomics and disease resistance are helping to keep malting barley competitive with other crops in Canada and that new varieties tend to be shorter and have significantly improved straw strength to decrease lodging risk while still being easy to thresh and combine. Cereals Canada and the Canadian Grain Commission have assessed the quality of the Canadian wheat crop and prepared the findings for global customers through a jointly released new crop report. According to the report, a high proportion of the 2022 wheat crop has graded in the top two grades with high protein content across all Canadian wheat classes. Following the drought conditions that reduced Canadian wheat production in 2021, 2022 production returned to above average volumes. This year, Canada grew 34.7 million metric tons of wheat, an increase of 55% from last year. The new crop report is prepared and presented in partnership with the CGC, value chain members and provincial grower commissions. This fall, Cereals Canada received harvest assessment samples from nine grain exporters. Deliveries of major grains in Canada during October witnessed several gains compared to a year ago according to the latest report from Statistics Canada, released yesterday. All grain deliveries for October 2022 exceeded 5.43 million metric tons for a 19.3% increase from the previous October. During the last month, total wheat deliveries were nearly 2.64 million metric tons, up 32.3% from October of 2021. When excluding Durham, wheat deliveries were just short of 2.09 million metric tons, up 28.2% from a year ago. Canola deliveries were higher from October to October, rising 16% at slightly below 2 million metric tons. At more than 240,000 tons of oats and almost 532,000 tons of barley, deliveries of the two dipped in October by 2.1 and 1.8% respectively, compared to a year ago. The largest decline in deliveries percentage-wise came in flax, falling 65.9% at slightly under 16,000 metric tons. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. I'm Doug Falconer. 
It's mainly cloudy and 4 degrees in the Yorkton-Melville region. I'll have your complete weather details coming up at 1 o'clock. The Legacy Co-op Board of Directors has approved a modular farm project to be operated on the Yorkton Food Store site. General Manager Bruce Thurston tells us why they're doing it. Well, you know, uh, the price of uh, leafy greens right now and, and the fact that it's really hard to come by, uh, we've been looking at this for several months, and uh, this is a great time to announce that uh, we have embarked in this project, and it'll be going in uh, spring. He explains how it will work. Well, it's a modular farm. It's 10 by 40, and it works uh, by hydroponics, or it uses hydroponics, uh, which refers to basically a soil-free growing method that uses nutrient-rich water uh, to grow plants using a whole lot less space, uh, a lot less time, and crop inputs. Thurston says they'll be able to grow many kinds of leafy greens. There's 140 different leafy greens that we could grow in there. Uh, romaine and butterhead, um, lettuce, spinaches, kale, chard, uh, wild chives, uh, of course herbs such as basil mint or cilantro, and a bunch of Asian greens including bok choy and, and some microgreens. So uh, we won't grow 140 products in there at one time, but uh, usually about five. He says they'll be able to grow these leafy greens year-round. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's in a full, uh, fully controlled environment. Uh, plant growth factors such as light, nutrients, temperature, humidity, uh, carbon dioxide, and water are monitored and adjusted in real time through a tablet or a phone from anywhere in the world. Thurston says the idea for the modular farm actually came from within the company. One of our staff members said this would be cool to get into and we have a strategy committee and of course with what's been going on with uh, uh, World Food Supply, uh, we thought this was a great project. So we looked into it several months ago and have been working with uh, Grocer who is the, uh, the company that we're working with right now and uh, it just made sense. It uses you know a lot less water, a lot less land, it remains fresh longer. Uh, we don't have to truck it from hundreds of miles away and depend on somebody else's climate. So it's uh, it's going to be controlled in a climate right behind our store and probably uh, could be on our shelves within minutes of being harvested, the product. He says the leafy greens will be grown without the use of pesticides or herbicides. That's right. No, no synthetic pest control products at all. So um, there is nutrients in the water, uh, which is why we can't call it organic, but... Uh, uh, nutrients help it grow, and uh, and it is in a very controlled environment. Thurston says modular farms could be the way of the future. It is, and and grocers, uh, their their uh, research and development team is uh, trying to figure out ways to grow berries and and other products that uh, might not be typical in inside a modular farm unit. But uh, technology is changing, and and we're changing with it. He adds that none of the leafy greens they grow will be wasted. You know, any product that we might have uh, that, that uh, maybe we overproduce product and, and can't sell it, we're going to work with some community partners to donate product to them as well. So uh, it works. It's a win-win situation for everyone. Bruce Thurston is the general manager of the Legacy Co-op, which has its head office in Yorkton. It operates food stores, gas bars, card locks, and agro centers in Yorkton, Camsack, Churchbridge, Theodore, Ebenezer, Rhine, Langenberg, Esterhazy, McNutt, and Dubuque. It's time now for the livestock market conditions, and they're a presentation of the Yorkton Crossing Retirement Village. Livestock market conditions. U.S. live cattle futures for December.
September are trading at 153.10 this hour. That's down 25. February live cattle trading at 155.12, down 30. January feeder cattle trading at 178.67, down 57. March feeder cattle trading at 181.97, down 37. December lean hogs trading at 83.75, down 20. February lean hogs trading at 88.45, down 35. And that's the livestock market conditions. It's now 12.43 on GX and Agriculture. And the Canadian Western Agribition opens Monday in Regina with attendance expected to surpass 100,000 people. CEO Sean Kindop says there will be visitors from as far away as Mongolia. People are getting ready to load in. I know there's some people traveling. We've got some people that have uh, set their stuff on the side. But as of 3 p.m. today, people will be getting ready to move in and have their uh, their stalls set up. So it's exciting that uh, the heartbeat of the show is getting ready to uh, start getting set up here. He says livestock entries look great this year. Fantastic. Like We're really comparable to the 2019 numbers, which is fantastic coming out of the pandemic that we can uh, remain at those levels. Kindop is hoping for strong attendance numbers this year. I'm looking to be back in that six-figure mark, you know, throughout the pandemic. So we're looking to get back to those pre-pandemic levels of attendance as well. He believes the 100,000 to 120,000 attendance level is attainable. Yeah, in a perfect world, if we can get fully back to pre-pandemic levels, I would definitely be very proud of that. Kindop says the trade show is going to be huge this year. Again, which is, a, I hate using this this phrase, but it, well, actually I quite love it, but it's trade show numbers and exhibitors are all back to pre-pandemic levels as well, which is fantastic. Even today, we're still getting people calling, wanting to try and get a booth, which is something definitely that we're proud of as well. He says the trade show is basically sold out. Yeah, almost, almost 400, which is outstanding. Kindop is expecting a lot more international visitors this year. We should be around that 86 countries again. I know pre-pandemic levels were 1,300. So as people start to funnel in, we'll be able to get a bit more of an accurate number. But all of those are shaping up to be also pre-pandemic, which, uh, which again is very exciting. He explains why international guests keep coming back to Agribition every year. Canada and Saskatchewan, well, Canada for sure and Saskatchewan have, we've got the best genetics going. It's a place where agriculture is thriving and it's, people want to come and learn and they want to, they want to buy the best. Kindop talks about the rodeo. Yeah, we're, we're excited. The rodeo kicks off on Wednesday with free admission courtesy of Mosaic. So that's, it's a good way to get in the mood. And then we've, it goes for four days and see, it's fantastic and it's high energy. And uh, over 50% of our contestants have competed at the NFR. So you are going to see top tier talent and we're very excited. He's hopeful the weather won't hamper attendance at Agribition next week. Yeah, all the, a lot of the Agribition supporters, they're, they're used to the cold, but it, if it's something you can brave a little bit of cold, it's, once you get inside, we're going to warm you up and you're going to have a blast and we want to welcome you all down. Kindop says everything gets going with the official opening Monday morning. You bet. Yeah, we kick off with a free pancake breakfast and our signature burning of the brand on Monday at 10 a.m. And uh, both of those are courtesy of our partners at CN. Agribition opens Monday and wraps up on Saturday, December 3rd. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. Grain prices were mixed this past week. PI Financial Commodity Futures Advisor Adam Piccolo says canola fell $30 per metric ton, 
while spring wheat futures were up 10 cents a bushel. Starting off on the canola front here, January canola decreased approximately $30 a ton. So still continuing its downward decline here since November 16th, now down quite a bit, almost $80 a ton in those eight trading days. Today we're actually seeing it up approximately $4 a ton. So the first positive green number I've seen here for canola in, in a while. On the Minneapolis wheat front, the December contract increased approximately 10 cents a bushel. Yesterday was a closed day for the U.S. Thanksgiving. So today we are back open up approximately 3 cents at 961. So one thing I've been watching for the canola front here is how soybean oil has had a premium over palm oil, which is a factor which could help support palm oil, but also suggest weak demand for soybean oil. Now, we are kind of seeing, I would say, canola starting to try and find a bit of a bottom around this 800 level. That is still the major support that I'm watching here. Argentina's weather looks supportive with a bit of a drier trend for the soybean crop. There is some stress in Brazil's center-west kind of area. And that's where there could be a bit more of a positive technical action here on the soybean side. And again, that could help support canola here right now in the short term. When looking at the wheat front, the higher close for March wheat uh, after trading down to the lowest level in Chicago, uh, at least since August 26th, is a positive technical development. Uh, plus also we have seen a, a sharp break lower in the U.S. dollar. So that should help support some of the grain markets here. Uh, and I am watching here for, for Minneapolis wheat to be kind of trading a little bit sideways right now and it's really had I would say since October now about a 40-50 cent trading range so it, it hasn't really moved all that much recently. Piccolo provides his outlook for canola and wheat. Well, one comment uh, I've actually received here is that we could be seeing a larger crop in Australia and that could be going more to to make Chinese demand because of their prices being significantly lower than ours here in Canada for canola. So that could be a bit of a bearish force for canola if that does happen. However, I always say to clients that's just one factor and there's a lot of others to be watching here. Seems that again there's there's new news that comes out that could have influenced things, which is why I always take that technical perspective. And then on the Minneapolis wheat front, again trading very sideways here. So I haven't been looking at really any strategies as of late, but I have been talking with clients about how much they have in the bin and maybe what their plan is for it. Adam Piccolo is a commodity futures advisor with PI Financial in Winnipeg. Commodities Update. Canola futures are trading down across the board this hour. January canola trading at 8.14.30, down $6.30. March canola trading at $807 per metric ton, down $5.70. 
December Minneapolis wheat trading at 9.57 and a quarter. It's actually closed down a half a cent. December Kansas City wheat is trading at 9.21 and a quarter, down nine cents. December Chicago wheat trading at 7.71 and a half, down 22 cents. December corn trading at 6.67 and a quarter, up four cents. January soybeans trading at 14.33 and a half, down two and a half cents. December oats trading at 3.90 and a half, down four and a quarter cents. And that's the commodities update. Please stay tuned. GX on Agriculture will return right after this. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. I'm Doug Falconer. As we told you yesterday, some chefs in our province have developed relationships with bison producers to prepare dishes with locally raised meat. One of those partnerships involves Garrett Thiens, who is better known as Chef Rusty, and Merrick Wigness with Wigness Bison. Chef Rusty and his wife Christy own Harvest Eatery in Shaunavon in southwestern Saskatchewan. Wigness Bison is about a half an hour from Shaunavon in the Cadillac Admiral area. Merrick Wigness with Wigness Bison explains how he started supplying the Harvest Eatery in Shaunavon with bison meat. A couple years ago, I just approached Rusty, and Rusty was really responsive, which, you know, I give him credit for. It's developed into a really awesome relationship. We appreciate what Rusty can do with it. It is true that we really bring, as a bison rancher, I can see these bison that are out in these big native pastures. And when you go out into these native pastures, it's like stepping back in time. Like, it's really, like, an, it's an ancient ecosystem, and it's kind of a special and beautiful thing, not to get too romantic about the whole situation, but, you know, as a opposed to some other types of food nowadays, I would say that it is something special about it. So yeah, working with a good chef like, like Chef Rusty here, who can really run with it, it's a great thing for sure. He tells us how large his bison operation is. It's kind of dry lately, and we've been cutting back on our numbers, which is unfortunate. We've been as high as 600 head, um, usually about 200 bison cows. Wigness says he doesn't just sell his bison to Chef Rusty. Normally we've sold a lot of breeding stock, and we've sold breeding stock basically across Canada, like all the way from B.C., Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, Ontario, and through the northern states as well. So, you know, the bison industry, it is interesting how the underdeveloped Canadian bison meat market is mainly due to the fact that the Americans, like a lot of the finished bison were heading down to the states and being sold out of like Colorado and, and some of those big American bison meat companies so for quite a long time it was so easy for the Canadian bison producer just to ship animals south and have them look after the marketing that we kind of neglected looking after our own Canadian market now we're kind of starting to rectify that a little bit but you know it needs more work he says he would like to see bison meat more readily available to consumers everywhere Exactly. It's good for us if we can try and get the product out more, for sure. And, and generally the feedback that, because we've been selling some farm gate animals off of our own property, and basically 100% of the feedback we get is very positive. Wigness notes he has a few customers that purchase bison meat directly from him. Yeah, we have a few people like sell a quarter of bison too. It's mostly kind of friends and family. Chef Rusty owns the Harvest Eatery restaurant in Shaunavon, and Merrick Wigness is with Wigness Bison. They attended a chef's panel at the International Bison Conference in Saskatoon 
this summer. Farm Bulletin Board. Applications are now being accepted for the 2023 Saskatchewan Agriculture Student Scholarship Program. This year's theme is Farming and the Environment. Applicants of the scholarship are encouraged to explore the idea of environmental sustainability within farming and the importance of public perception on modern farming practices. Applicants should focus on progressive environmental practices conducted by producers and the importance of relaying that message to the public to enhance trust in the industry. Students are invited to submit a creative three-minute video or 1,000-word essay discussing farming and the environment. Scholarships will be awarded to students in grade 12 and or recent graduates entering agriculture-related post-secondary studies in 2023. One winning scholarship of $4,000 and three runner-up scholarships of $2,000 will be awarded. The deadline for applications is March 1st of 2023. For more information on the Saskatchewan Agriculture Student Scholarship Program, you can visit saskatchewan.ca slash ag scholarship. And that'll do it for GX on Agriculture for today. Be sure to tune in again on Monday for another edition of the program. You've been listening to the GX on Agriculture podcast, brought to you by 